Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time, Lord, and we thank you for the opportunity to come on this platform and fellowship over your word, Lord. And I just pray that we that you bless this study, Lord, and that as we continue on in uh, Matthew 6.16, Lord, I just pray that whoever's listening out there, Lord, that you just uh, bless them the same way that you bless us as we're sitting here fellowshipping on this podcast, Lord. And I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Unfaith Podcast. As we continue on in this discussion with the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we originally anticipated it being, what, maybe one or two weeks, maybe three. And if I'm not mistaken, we're going into our fourth week into this conversation. There's a lot of material to cover. Um, But where we left off at in Matthew 6.16, Jesus teaches us how to fast. And I think it's interesting, He just before this, he was teaching us how to pray. And now we move on into fasting, and of course they go together well. It feels like the fasting portion here is when you're really serious about prayer. Yeah. Well, and another thing, he's, he's teaching the disciples against hypocrisy. And showing them the different levels of hypocrisy, which when we get into 616, he's bringing up the third form of religious hypocrisy. And Jesus denounced denounced the praying in public. Right. So, sorry, I'll, I'll restart. That he teaches that the third form of religious hypocrisy that Jesus denounced was uh, the deliberate attempt to create an appearance of fasting, which we talked about a little bit on last week, how, you know, and the conclusion we came to is simply, you know, it may be okay to say you're fasting if need be, or um, Steve, you brought up community fasting, but what Jesus is teaching here is it's not okay to, or what we shouldn't do is put on the show right. that we're fasting, you know? So you mentioned community fasting, and we do have examples of that in the Bible. Um, we see back when uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Ezra leading that first group of people after the um, Babylonian expulsion—not the word—but um, they were. <laughs> The uh, Israelites were taken by the Babylonians uh, for 70 years. Right. And this is the first group back. And uh, when they get, when they're going back, Ezra calls for a fast. Ezra called for a fast. The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who will forsake him. He says, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. And that was fasting and petitioning God for safe journey from Babylon back to Jerusalem. We see other uh, 
examples in Isaiah 58, it talks to us about the things that you should fast for, as in the things you would be praying for while fasting. Isaiah 58, starting in verse 6, says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. It's interesting there to, to see the things that, uh, that God's saying we should be fasting for and doing as well. Because we hear the same from Jesus in Matthew 25 when he gives us a little glimpse of justice. I'm not justice, gives us a little glimpse of the end times where uh, the, the judgment is coming in and those that will come in and, and Jesus will say, you know, I was thirsty and you gave me water. I was hungry and you fed me. You know, and that resonates right here with Isaiah, the same thing. We see those things. Like fasting was all through the Old Testament. You find it, um, like, you know, there we find it in the history books with Ezra. We find it with King David when... Uh, his son with Bathsheba, God had told him would die, but he thought maybe if I fast, God will relent. Uh, and he fasted. You know, and we see it in the Psalms all over the place about fasting. And we even see it in the, the prophets. We see Joel talks about the reason of fasting, not that the what you want says, I'll go ahead and read it. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. It says, rend your heart and not your garments. So that plays right into what we're looking at when somebody would rip their garments to show that they're, um, you know, in distress over this and, and start their fasting in that way. Well, that's kind of showy. And Joel here is saying, no, it's your heart. Your right. heart that needs to be uh, ripped and 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 care that much. And I think of one of the most famous, you know, stories of fasting is when Jesus fasted for forty days um, to prepare himself and fortify his soul for the confrontation with Satan. <clears throat> and that's in Matthew four one and two. Um, there's obviously different forms of fasting, you know. Um, not only just with food, but, and, you know, fasting and prayer to pray during that time, just focus on prayer and focus on your time, um, spiritually with God and get your, you know, bring yourself closer to God. Um, but also, you know, <clears throat> from the most humble circumstances, you're reaching out to God. Um, and God isn't, so to speak, moved by the fasting itself. Like you said, it's. Right you know, turn, the turning of your hearts and of his people toward the righteousness. And, you know, the Bible repeatedly cautions that true fasting is merely, isn't merely absence of food, 
Fasting must be accompanied by sincere repentance and good works. And it says that in Isaiah 58, 3 through 7. Hey, we just read that. Yeah. And must never be done to impress others as merely ritualism and as a source of spiritual pride. And there's a lot of, you know, verses that back that up. But yeah, just to kind of add on to yours, Steve. Well, and what I think about when I think of fasting and the reasoning, one of the reasons behind fasting is to clear our minds, to sacrifice something and to put our bodies into this state of need, right? So when we fast and we fast from food, we're depriving our bodies of food. We're and to the point where we're putting ourselves in a place of suffering to be closer to Jesus. I think it's interesting too. You said to clear our minds and it's probably because of my lack of spirituality, but if I'm fasting, it doesn't clear my mind. It makes me say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I want to eat. I want to do that. I want to get this. Um, so for me anyway, the, what it can do is every time I'm thinking I'm hungry, if I will pray instead. And of course, we don't want to not eat just to not eat. If it's truly fasting, there's that purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a singularness of the purpose, right? It's you're looking for an answer to a specific question from God, to a specific um, event going on maybe in your life from God. Well, and I guess what I mean by clear our mind is we put ourselves in a, in that state of suffering. So we put ourselves in that state of need, mm -hmm. you know, and when we're deprived and we put ourselves in a state of suffering. Well, a state of dependence on God. Right. It puts us dependent on God. Yeah. When I think of like, yeah, we're physically starving, but we think, oh, we're hungry. Well, let the, the word feed us. Mm. nourish us yeah and i think by staying busy doing his good works you tend to forget about being hungry well and it's and jesus at one place says i have food that you know not about yeah. which he was talking of the word also at that point so yeah i think that's a good metaphor I think also it's on here, you know, we we look at the verses and uh, it doesn't say if you decide to fast. It says when. Mm -hmm. When you fast. And I look at that and I think, am I just not hungry enough for answers from God? Am I mm -hmm. too complacent already? Am I too satisfied with wherever I am, that I rarely fast. Mm. And there's a lot of, uh, kind of like we saw in Isaiah, what the wrongs of the world are what God was saying, these are things you fast for. I don't think we fast enough. Yeah, I agree. And that, that's kind of where, what you're saying, where you're going. I don't think we fast enough. And... It's kind of convicting mm -hmm. because I think about how much 
Jesus did suffer for us. And when we put ourselves in that in, in a state of suffering and replace that with prayer to bring us closer to him, I don't think we do it enough. Well, I think with suffering, it usually ends up in a negative connotation. I would prefer sacrifice because the outcome is almost positive on the at the ending. If that makes sense, I can see that. Yeah, it yeah. makes it makes sense because you're in control of it. So that's mm-hmm. a sacrifice. If it's right. happening you to go. you, it's suffering. There you go. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, so when we when we read into the Bible about what Jesus is saying and teaching and fasting, you know, he's he's telling us that you know a true believer should fast in secret and give no outward appearance of it. And to anoint your head and wash your feet was a means of uh, appearing in one's normal matter. Right. So I think that's just showing that it's between you and God. It has nothing to do with the people around you. Well, yeah, he's, and that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying that it's enough for God to know. It's enough for only God to know that you're sacrificing. Yeah, not only enough. That's the only purpose. And just like Jesus is showing us that uh, depriving ourselves of food, like we talked about, can help us focus on God who is giving us all things. He also gives us all things that we need right here and now to live. We move on seeing that talks about don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because that's not the main point. If we store up things here, moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and they steal. But what we're doing to expand the kingdom of God, to expand the kingdom of heaven, to do the things that uh, Jesus has called us to do now, we won't be laying up treasures. Because that as we go on in here, it, it Jesus goes on and talk about don't worry about how you're going to get the things you need. Jesus will provide you the things you need. And really, it seems like this not laying up treasures for yourself here. Jesus is using us to distribute to those who need. So there's nothing wrong with gaining assets here, but we're to use those assets for the benefit of the kingdom. Hmm. Right. I mean, and we see that. We see the parables that had to do that with the man who uh, planted and he got this bountiful crop. He didn't do anything special to get it. He was blessed with this bountiful crop. But he says, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to build a giant barn. This is my retirement. I'm going to lay around and do nothing and eat off of this grain for years and years. And God said, well, you fool, you're going to die tonight. Who's going to get your grain now? Mm. And it never should have been put, shoved away in a barn somewhere and used later. It could have been used immediately to help those who are hungry now. But he never even thought of that. He thought of himself. What can I do for me? Mm. I can store it up and I can relax. 
Well, and we can even see that in 621, where it says, where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. Yeah. Sounds pretty greedy to me. Yeah. If our heart is only looking at ourselves, that's that's an inward heart is a sick heart, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're just loving yourself, that's uh, not a pretty sight for either you or anybody else to see. Well, and then when Jesus tells us, you know, do not lay your your uh, treasures here on earth, you know, he's indicating that that there's no security in material things, Mm-mm. no security. We can't take them with us. You yeah. know, our treasure is not here. It seems like, you know, the Israelites were shown that early on. No, it had to do with food, but like the manna that came down, mm-hmm. the dependence they had to have on God. He is showing them that this manna is going to come down every day. It's going to be there every day. You only get one day's worth. Don't go over there and try to get two or three days worth. But they did, of course, <laughs> just like we would. And uh, on the second day, there were maggots and mess in there. You know, you can't keep it a second day. He's showing them the lesson right there, just like things we put away here and. I'll admit, I see it in my own house. I had stuff in my garage that was probably decent when it first got put in a box and put in the garage. But now it's worthless trash. Now it's all <laughs> starting to lose its yeah, composure. Yeah, it needs to be tossed out. But, you know, maybe somebody could have used it had I donated it years ago, but mm-hmm. I let it sit in the garage and rot. Mm-hmm. Now nobody can use it. Well, and I found too when we, I guess uh, for lack of better words, when we, Hort our blessings here. Mm-hmm. You, we all know the saying, what God gives, he can also take away. And I've experienced that. I've, I've experienced it to where um, it, it was one of the things that kind of changed my whole perception on what I harvest because I've seen it happen firsthand, you know, where I just, I would get blessed. I would get blessed and, um, you know, a, a big part of what I what I share in my testimony is that's one thing I learned fairly quickly because I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, God would provide one day, and I'd put what He provided in my pocket, and then go back and say, "Okay, what about today?" And, and then right. I, I can kind of envision Him saying, "Well, what have you done with what I've given you yesterday?" Right. Well, that was yesterday. What what's what's in store for me today while it's still in my pocket? And that's what I would do is I would mm-hmm. I would hoard all these blessings and I'd pocket right. them, put them on the shelf, and then I slowly watched them all start to disappear. Yeah, and there were Jesus told a few parables that jump in and show us this, just as you were talking there of your of your own history. Couldn't help but think of the uh parables of the mina, minas, or the parable of the talents. Um, both of those are denominations of money. Mm-hmm. Jesus uses mina one time, and the next time he tells it he used talents. But in Luke, where he uses minas, you know, he gave the same number to each of them. And in Matthew, where he gives the same one with talents, where he gave five talents to the first one. And he expl- explicitly said, Put this to work, you know. Like you were saying, David, you shoved it in your pocket. It didn't. You didn't put it to work. Uh, both the the one that got five said, "Put it to work." 
One of them mm-hmm. got two. He said, put it to work. Both of them doubled, doubled the money. You know, and that's what uh, Jesus is asking us to do constantly. We're, we're to do his work. We're his hands and feet. We're doing his work um, here on earth. We're making disciples of those in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're also feeding the hungry. We're also giving water to the thirsty, visiting those who can't get out. Um, we're doing those things, and he expects us to do those things. But you've got way too many people like uh, the one that only got one. And another, And in the parable of the minas, Luke puts it this way, then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it. Laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. So clearly this person has not seen Jesus for who he is. Um, and then somehow he's not interested in it either. Mm. You know, he's, he, he says, you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. Yet, yes, Jesus uses us to do his sowing for us. Yet right. another parable. Um, but to suggest that he's not the one responsible for everything. <laughs> Again, this guy's not seeing the point. He's seeing, uh, he's saying, well, Jesus, you just come running here and take our stuff. Mm. It's like he's flipping it around. Look, you're coming in and taking our stuff. Um, when, of course, we wouldn't have anything without Jesus. Right, everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. Everything is provided by him. Yeah. Yet this servant doesn't see it this way. That's mine. That's my stuff. I worked hard for that stuff. It's mine. And you have a lot of nerve coming back here and saying, where's my stuff? You wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for me. So then, and this one, his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. Mm. Something, at least do something. You don't stick it in your pocket. Right. At least put it in a bank, you know, and that you think, what is, what is, it's almost like Jesus is like, you know, even the lazy Christian mm. will show something for what he's received from me. You know, even the lazy Christian that isn't trying that hard, um, your own, family members that you talk to <laughs> will hear of your uh, belief and will hear of Jesus. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the treasure. The treasure is what Jesus, well, the treasure is Jesus himself. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we see that in another parable, yet another parable the, of the pearl of great price. Well, and I think the key is we have to change our mindset. We have to change our perception to ask when we receive, because it, it, it feels great when God provides, when we're blessed, but we're not blessed for no reason. God doesn't just give with no purpose. So we have to change our mindset instead of thinking that these blessings are when we're blessed or it, it is for us. We have to change our mindset and our perception to say, okay, God, you've entrusted me with this. Now, what do you want me to do with it? Instead of like that, he did. He buried his his. What did you say? It was the his uh, 
the, the minor. Yeah, the minor. The minor. Yeah, the minor. Uh, he buried it and nothing happened. But everyone else who did something with it, it doubled. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of what, you know, what, what I was talking about. It just, and the, how it reminded you of that parable, how I would bury the blessing mm-hmm. and then go wait for more. And then I realized the more I get into scripture, the more I talk to God, the more I get into that relationship with him. He's not blessing me for me. Mm-mm. He's not blessing me because I did something to deserve it. He's not, he's not blessing me to um, reward me for a good deed I did. He's blessing me for his purpose, yeah. for his will. And it's up to us to receive that and say, okay, you've entrusted me with this. Now, how can I use it to glorify you? What do you want me to do with it now? Just as you were saying that, I was thinking that maybe if, if I was actually on the same page with God, mm-hmm. that That's I That's a hard page to get on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there. But if I were, what I would be praying for are the things he is going to bless me with. Right. Like you say, sometimes he, out of his graciousness, he does bless us with something. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know what to do with it. We know it's a blessing from God. And we're like, how can I use this? How is this going to be great? You know, but uh, had I been on the same page with God before I got that, I would have actually been asking for it yeah. and known what it would be used for. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes even that's too much info for us to fathom. We talk about it all the time that if we knew when we wanted to know, would we? be willing to endure what we would have to or go through or go down that road that we would have to go down. You know, we talk about it all the time. And I think this is no different. If if we knew ahead of time and we prayed for it and we knew what it was going to be used for, would we go through with what he wanted to use it for, what he wanted us to use it for? Would we go through with it? And, and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What I, the answer I'd want to give is yes, because we're praying for God's blessing to glorify God and know at the time or ahead of time how we're going to use that to glorify God. But would temptation seek in? Or fear. Or fear. That's what I was thinking, fear. Yeah. Because at the same time you're saying that, I'm thinking, okay, he's entrusted us with our children. And yet our children don't really belong to us and they can go home at any time. Do I want to know when they're going to go home? No. Absolutely not. I just want to enjoy and, you know, be with them while they're here. You know, teach them, guide them, what have you. And hopefully they glorify God in their good deeds. Yeah. That's all I can hope for and pray for them. Well, and he's entrusted us with literally everything. I mean, we wake up in the morning. He's entrusted us with that day in life to glorify him. There's not, the the time is not endless here. We don't have an unlimited amount of time to get this word out. And I do think even the smallest things that we tend, even I tend to overthink or overlook he still entrusted us with, you know? Yes. We got to make the best of it. We really do make the most of it. And and that's what comes with changing that perception. 
That's what comes with studying the word. That's what comes with reading the word, getting closer to God, praying, and maybe even more fasting. I think, you know, if we were to backtrack just a little bit and, and back into to fasting, it's, it's an amazing experience to go through when you feel like you can't hear God. And I know we've all experienced that, you know, because I'm talking about getting into prayer, being in prayer, being in constant prayer and communication with God, but sometimes you don't hear him. Sometimes there's just so much clouding our mind. There's so much noise going on around us that we think that God's not there. Or we say, and I've been praying. I've been in communications with God. I've been talking to him. I've been in my word. I've all this. And I still can't hear him. Doesn't mean he's not there. We may just have too much cloud going on to hear what he has for us. And I think that's where fasting becomes an amazing experience to go through, although it is a sacrifice and it's not an enjoyable one. We're depriving ourselves of something we want or even something we need to clear that that noise. And I think that's where I was going in that direction when I said to clear our head, to drown out the noise by sacrificing and really getting in tune with what God has for us. Yeah, to help to see what he's giving us as treasures. Because I know I don't always see things as blessings, things as treasure, things as mm. helpful. And yet we see in Romans 8, that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called. Do you think we, mm -hmm. we, we tend to overlook a blessing because, and, and I know we, we've kind of talked about this in, in this aspect before, because it doesn't look like what we wanted it to look like. But in this instance, we overlook a blessing because we don't like what it looks like. Constantly. Well, maybe not. What so we, we won't, like, but it might be something we need. Right, but we won't think it's a blessing Feels until like a we right until we learn that God uses everything for His glory. So even that situation that you're in, or um, that that blessing that you don't think is a blessing that you think is quite the opposite, God will use that for His glory. For so in turn, it still becomes a blessing. Even if it's just that lesson, the things we're taught is a blessing to us. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there are people that get incarcerated and and believe they would not have come to Christ without mm -hmm. being locked up, without having nothing else. Oh yeah, uh, clouding them. Well, I think, and also like before like for example i could think of you know a time when i had to be patient and wait on a job right. and maybe you know i wanted this one really bad because everything looked good but that wasn't something that god wanted for me mm -hmm. and so i had to be patient i had to pray 
you know, and really ultimately just trust in God that he's going to put me where he wants me to be, where I'm going to glorify him and he's going to use me for his purpose. And it really is humbling because you have to just give it all to him. And it's hard because, you know, you're not, you're not in control of that situation, Mm. you know? Yeah. So I can see it that sense. And I'm thinking about the, what is it? Mina? Yeah. I'm thinking that if I only got one, okay. (laughs) I was thinking I'd probably tithe it. So you're the widow (laughs) with the might. There you go. Well, and I think we, that's more logical than saying what we would do. Because but I'm like the type that always will give back first. Right. Because I know he's going to bless me with what I need. And there's always, right, right. And I think that's where I get hung up is because there's always the, you know what you want to do. But then the factor of what you actually do. And if we're not in tune, we're going to do what we actually do and not what we want to do. Because what we want to do is what we say. You know, we would tie that. We would give it. And I'm not doubting. I'm not doubting that at all. I just know I'm, I'm speaking from myself. And that's, I think, one of the biggest fears I have in my own daily life is I know what the answer is. I know what I should do. I know what I want to do because I want to glorify God. But when it comes down to it, will I? And my hope is yes. You know, my hope and my prayer is yes, God, give me every bit of strength that I need in order to fulfill that want of glorifying you. I don't know. I guess it's easy for me because like I I can always turn it back to him, you know. This is his. It doesn't belong to me. And everything here on earth is temporary. So would I want to store all my treasures here on earth or do I want to store all my treasures up in heaven? So I'm going to give him, give everyone whatever I need to because nothing here really matters. And then I'll live a beautiful, abundant life in eternity. Yeah. You think time is a treasure? Oh, yeah. So I think he calls us to give a lot of that up mm-hmm. for his kingdom also. Mm-hmm. Well, we waste a lot of it too. For sure, I do. We waste a lot of it. Well, and, and like time just goes by so fast now, yeah. you know? And that's why he tells us don't lay lay up any of your your treasures here on earth. You know, any type of material treasure on earth can be either destroyed or stolen. You know, think about that. And I almost think that we can make it happen by coveting something so much that we cause something to happen to it. And not, and I'm not speaking like in a, in a way of magic or anything like that. A, I think in a metaphysical sense, right? I'm not talking anything like that, but I do, I do believe that you know everything is for a purpose. God will use everything for His purpose, for His glory. And if we're holding on to something so much, He will allow something to happen in order to put us back into that position to rely on Him again. Yeah, and I think the piece that comes right after this could be easy to 
to think we're changing subjects, but I don't think we are. So right after we talk about the treasure and it says, you know, the last piece of this is for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. That's what we've been talking about. And then Jesus goes on to say the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Mm. On the surface, when I read that, it doesn't seem like we're talking about treasures or how we see to use earthly uh, items. Right. But I think he is talking about, because it's sandwiched between the next the next um, verse is, is a very famous verse. So we just heard that about the eyes and how dark, you know, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Then he goes directly into no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I'm afraid the the I in verse 22 there in the middle is talking about the way we see these assets on earth, talking about the way we see the things that uh, were were given by God or the things that we aspire to get. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're seeing them in an earthly manner, that I can get that car and I'm going to look really cool driving that car down the road and it's going to be awesome and people are going to see me and I'm going to look great. Um, if that's how we're thinking about it, then um, then our eye is darkened. It's not giving out light. That light is Jesus. Jesus is light. We see that in, in John where he talks about being the light of the world. And we're supposed to be pointing to that light. But if we're pointing to ourselves, then we're not pointing to Jesus, you know? Right. So if we're using these treasures on earth uh, for our own benefit, for us to feel good, for us to look good and all that, then we're pointing the light the wrong way. We're pointing it back on ourselves. So what do you think about, since we're still on the topic of treasures on earth, what do you think about a, a loved one's belongings when they pass away? That's a good question. Well, yeah. And we're dealing with that, aren't we? So the idea, it's funny because that's, I've grappled with that some as well. The idea of wanting to remember the loved one, the others, wanting others to remember as well, their belongings can be a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Not that you're trying to hold on to them here or hold on to their belongings as a means of holding on to them, so to say. Mm-hmm. But as a means of honoring them and and helping who they were, what they did in this life that was honorable to be remembered. Mm-hmm. So I think as long as those assets are kept and maybe displayed as an honor for the loved one who's passed on, then you're doing a good thing. You're helping their memory go on. But if you're holding on 
to their belongings sort of as a means of holding on to them that it could be dangerous. Because I've seen, you know, personally how keeping their things breaks families apart, Mm. you know, because... Stay in the history. Yeah, you know, and the different relationships and kind of never getting to make that amends. And so, I mean, personally, I'm just feeling a little convicted with that in the sense that, you know, what do I do? You know, because I do want to hold on to him and his memories not so much as a monetary value of his belongings, but do I share his belongings? And how do you share them in a way so that they benefit the whole family or all the the friends in every way? And I think that is a thing you've, you know, if they're set up in a way that others could remember, I guess, then, you know, and I've grappled with the same thing. Right. There's artwork. Yeah. And things like that, that this just on my wall. Right. Cause I mean, I was like, I was putting together like my will and testament the other day. Cause I'm trying to like put all of my, um, end of life things together. And I don't want my kids fighting over my stuff. You know, like even now asking whether while I'm alive, like what are some things that you want? You know, I don't want you guys fighting over it like in a sense that it's going to bring me back at all, but I also don't want I want you guys to stay united mm-hmm. when I pass away. I don't want you guys, you know, even down to the to the point of you know, oh, one kid doesn't want me to be cremated and one kid doesn't want me to be buried or, you know, just like the whole thing, like everyone's invited or no services. Like I want to be able to plan that for them so that they don't feel like torn between those kind of decisions. But also in the sense that I, I really ultimately just don't want anybody fighting over worldly items. Yeah. Do you think? That fighting, though, the fix of that happens long before you die. The fix of that happens in finding a way for a family to actually be, like you say, that one, that loving each other, and this is all our own stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that we're one family. I guess that's the the hard part, and I know there's various different relations and and stuff it's hard to get there but wow yeah it's the work the work is beforehand you know the work is seeing jesus and everything now Mm -hmm. and and getting the whole family in that way of thinking now which is our main work right Mm -hmm. our main work is to be showing our families jesus and everything we do and what they hear and what we say and all that. 
And then that, so to say, fixes it <laughs> for when we do die, you know, and the things mm-hmm. that you're worried about because it's the, it's the now, right? you know, that Jesus is, wants us to be concerned with, you know, because it says tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. So we pay attention to now. If we're paying attention too much to the future, then we can miss what's right under our nose. Right. You know, we can miss those opportunities to glue our families together and 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 be thinking alike and uh, all be, you know, serving Jesus in some way, finding ways for as a family we can serve. Yeah. It definitely takes the focus off what the main purpose is, for sure. It's definitely a distraction. Right. And I'm starting to notice that, I think. That was deep. (laughs) That was deep. But such a benefit because not only are the three of us going through that actively right now, whether it be thinking about it ahead of time or still dealing with um, some of the things a loved one has left behind. And I'm willing to bet we're not the only ones going through this right now or have gone through it before. People just turn on each other, you know, at the drop of a hat and it's, it's like it's not going to bring them back. Mm-mm. No, and I think, it, it, and not even I think, I can't even start off like that. It, it's it's in the Bible. You know, things like that aren't supposed to cause division. They're supposed to bring us together. Like when the Bible says to mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's these kinds of situations that he's talking about. You know, if we're mourning the loss of a loved one, or I should say celebrating the loss, even though it's hard. It's hard to lose somebody, but we get gratification in knowing where they're at, where they went. But because we're so susceptible to our own feelings and our own desires and our own wants, we do hurt because why? We want that person back. So... You remember there was a place in the Bible where someone comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. Says, but my dad's died and I got to go back and bury him. Right. And Jesus says something that sounds really harsh. Yeah. Let the dead bury the dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like that's not all about having a service because right. the you know, the, the Jews definitely had specific things that they would do, you know, just like Jesus body yeah. himself. Uh, it's a or, whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like Jesus may be talking about exactly what we're talking about here. You can't mm-hmm. hold on to them. Mm-hmm. You can't take their worldly possessions. And because you have some of it, you know, or because you have ashes sitting on the fireplace or, or whatever. Yeah that that's a main a main thing um that yes you've lost people and everybody loses people but there's still people here and now you know your family here and now or who you need to work on those people that are hurting in the streets here and now are the people that we need to help and if we're in the past 
that we're not helping anybody in the now. Yeah. So we've seen that Jesus has kind of an unconventional way of teaching. And even with that harsh response, or what we would perceive as harsh Mm -hmm. response, do you think there was a lesson there? Because when he says, let the dead bury the dead, I think that, I mean, it's Jesus. He knows what's going to happen. What's going to happen. He knows. But he also know knows that him worrying about going and burying his father wasn't gonna bring him back. Well, it's and it you, wasn't gonna serve any purpose for God's will. And when you pull that aspect into it, Jesus knew he wasn't gonna stay dead as right. well. Mm. And none of us are gonna stay dead that believe in Jesus and that are looking to him as our savior. We don't stay dead. We pass through it. Amen. So that could be another level of what we're looking at. Those those who have no hope, those who are not hoping in Jesus, mm-hmm. are busy with, well, they're walking dead, you know, right, right now. So, you know, those who have a hope, and those who see Jesus as our Savior and those who love him and he and accept his love, then we keep going forward. You know, we don't put our hands to the plow and look back. Yeah. We keep going forward for what Jesus has. And I just love that because it's like the conversations that mankind have are sometimes just so, you know, level one. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is taking it to a whole nother level where he's talking about, you know, right in a whole nother realm, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's, it's so simple and basic to us, but to him, he's like, Oh no, like there's just so much you just don't know. Right. And we read his words like David was saying, we read his words on that surface level. Right. And so they seem really harsh. We're like, well, whatever, Jesus. I mean, that's my dad. I'm going to go back and bury him. You know, yeah. but that's I not mean, really what Jesus was hitting. That, at. I mean, that's tough. You know, like if I mean, of course, in my mind, I'm like, yes, I'm gonna follow you through every little thing. But if you told me that I couldn't go bury my dad, oh man, I have like a, it would be a punch to the gut. Like I still have a hard time <laughs> believing you, man. Don't deal with it at all, right? But you can't stay there. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it was. Well, and that's what I think, too. When I asked that question, do you think there was a lesson there? Because we don't really see the full spectrum of why he responded that way. Mm -hmm. Because it's something we just cannot understand in this life. And, And we don't. Yeah. And we do stay there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the hurts for families um, in the past. Um, there are people that never get out of those hurts. There are Christians that are actually living you know, good lives that are doing good things for God, but that past that they have with their family, the hurts and the pains and everything else that they just can't quite shake. Right. 
just trail after him, you know, still dog him after years. And we see that with Paul, where Paul talks about having that thorn in the flesh. I mean, that's, he doesn't say what it is, which I think has probably helped us uh, because we all have a bunch of thorns in our fleshes that are, you know, a lot of different things. You know, with Paul, we get to think about what might it be? Is it guilt because he used to kill all these Christians and now he's proclaiming Christ? You know, we don't know what his thorn was, but he couldn't get rid of it. And Jesus didn't take it and just said, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. Which brings us into next week's episode as we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus tells us not to worry. And before, Steve, before you pray out, let us just let us just think and meditate on, on what God brought to the table today, all throughout the week. And in next week's episode, we'll continue on where Jesus tells us not to worry. And we thank you guys for joining, and we hope to see you again next week. Father, thank you that you've brought us here. Thank you you've given us hearts that want to understand the hard things that you've told us. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be, they'll be rent, they'll be torn, that our hearts are ready to fast and long to hear from you. Not only long to long to hear from you, but to long to walk in the ways that you show us to walk. Long to do the things that you ask us to do. And that we long to hear your voice, Lord. We pray that we will use everything that you give us to help others and point our lights to you, Lord. You are the light that comes through us. And we have to point it back to you. You are our hope. You are our salvation. You are our reason for living and walking. Lord, we pray for strength. We pray for guidance. And we pray for your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.